down. Get a hold of yourself. Calm down. Now get back to your seat. I'll take care of this. Calm down. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. Doctor, you want another phone? Everything's going to be all right. Please. Sister, please. Now handle this. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, October 11, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I apologize for those that are used to a little more heads up before the shows. I've got a time issue today where I have to try to get this stuff done in less than two hours today for numerous reasons. All on my fault. I had ended up having to shift a few things around today, which I was looking forward to because of myself and my own mistakes. <laughs> Miss putting things wrong in my calendar, essentially. Ultimately, forgetting I had things coming up today. So I... And that's because of what I was just talking about. I forgot to open up the YouTube chat. So now we're live on YouTube as well. But in any case, I had to rush into getting the show started today because I wanted to get this done. So I have some important stuff to go over. I was unable to get to a show yesterday in regard to what was going on. But to be quite frank about it, I'll go over it today. But I don't think you guys need my insight to understand what was going on yesterday. It's, 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 the, it's a continuation of the same story. And it's insulting to see the way that it's being framed, not to suggest that it's the, the whole idea of, of what's going on here today in regard to Ukraine, Russia is really important to understand how it started, how it's been driven to where it is today. In no way does that mean that anybody supports essentially bombing areas that could potentially take people's lives, whether or not they're civilians. I mean, it's, it's a hard th- it's a impossible situation, but that's why it's important to understand how it got driven into reality and why choices are being made the way they are today from both sides for that matter. And it, we've gone over this extensively. We're going to talk about that to start. I'm going to see what I can get done in the next hour and a half. And if we have time, I'm going to get into an entire grouping of information that should probably take four hours to go over the way we like to in regard to COVID-19, food, great reset, all of that. So to not waste any more time, I'm going to get into this straight away. And we're going to talk about what just happened between Ukraine and Russia and why I think this is such an obvious situation. Start off with a an article written by uh, Robert Inlakesh that went out this morning. And this is entitled Western's, Western Media's Reporting on Crimea Bridge Attack Reflects Double Standards. And I mean, this is blatantly obvious. Of course, I use the image I also use for the show today in part because it's ridiculous to pretend that they can have a stamp endorsed by the government already distributed out on social media, internet, within hours of this happening. That's an insult to your intelligence, first of all, to pretend like this was not at least coordinated. There's evidence circulating today about, you know, UK evidence of planning. I mean, it's it's important, I think, but it's kind of tangential. It's not exactly you could argue they theorize and plan about a lot of things, which is what they always do. Not to say that's not important. It's a secondary part of this. I think what's important is the clear and concise and obvious evidence of what's happening right now in their knowledge of how this went down, the way the media is covering it up, the way that they're, the Ukrainian government has already claimed what's happening there. But this article is important to understand that 
their double standards about just alone taking Israel and Palestine should break the Internet. I mean, it's impossible to see that they can make this argument and still pretend like they're not being wildly hypocritical when it comes to the occupation of Syria, the occupation of Afghanistan, the occupation of any other location, specifically Golden Heights, Israel, Palestine, the whole damn thing. And we can watch as they can ignore all this and have yet to even put together the pieces of who's responsible for what's happening and, and still even subtly insinuating this was some kind of a false flag. Now, that's always certainly possible, except for the fact that they've already claimed it, gloated about it, and have now flipped around to this part of it and acting like what Putin did over the last two days. And it's continuing today, strategically targeting areas within Ukraine to stop them from having the ability to do the things we just saw happen which sadly appears that people died, is is the expected response to what we're seeing. Now, that goes for literally anybody involved. The difference of what we're watching is how you can see the dishonest coverage, the dishonest lead up to where they are today. In no way is that an endorsement of Russia, Putin's government, or any of it. That'd be pretty ignorant to say, especially with my stance in general about any of these governments, and especially since I think I see all of them involved in the larger concern, which is the Great Reset. None of these governments are on your side. And that, see that even that puts me at odds with plenty of people, even in the independent media. It's it's it just frustrates me to see that we can't be objective about this from a large perspective. And I'm talking specifically about the corporate media and the people involved in the two party paradigm. But I argue you read this to understand that complete double standard. And I'm going to go over a couple of points that make this clear. Now, this is from Hassan Mafi, and he writes, and he's he's responding to Mark Ruffalo. And this, actually, I should have included this, but it's more of a COVID-related point. I was sharing a tweet about, I discussed it on AM Wake Up today, about Rogan and the editor, I believe, of the Rolling Stone. And just how flimsy, this, this guy is just in Barry Weiss fashion, as the to- sod toady moment, just regurgitating what he thinks he's supposed to say. And he doesn't even really know how to formulate the ideas. He can barely speak the sentences, let alone defend the stance and the lack of logic around them. Like the government, you know, they care about food and stuff. So we should just let them do it. It was really bad. And even Rogan was like, really? And asked the most basic questions and he crumbles. My point is that's the acceptable elitist mindset. These people want to parrot. They're sycophants. And he's part of it, essentially. But this is what we're talking about. Here's Mark Ruffalo. It's so simple, he says. Russia, leave Ukraine, and it's over. World peace. (laughs) Like, right there, that's about just about the most naive, ignorant thing you could ever possibly say. You know, and I love this guy's movies. Ukraine can't can't leave Ukraine. Russia can always go back to Russia. This, I mean, it's just so childlike. We're really going to omit the 2014 regime change? Are we going to ignore the fact that what, what Ukraine has continued to do with the backing of Western allies and really the puppet government that they are, continue to drive action from Putin, continue to bomb Donbass. I mean, just that alone. What about the Donbass people over the last decade who have been attacked relentlessly? And they've even gloated and admitted about admitted this, and yet the corporate media pretends it's not happening and never did. Mark Ruffalo either doesn't know this or doesn't care. And it's just so simple, he says. And he says, and this is exactly the point. Hassan responds, it's so simple. European colonial settlers leave Palestine. And it's over. Peace in the Middle East. Palestine can't leave Palestine. European colonial settlers can always go back to Europe. I mean, you just can't miss how obvious that is. Now, you can, I equally disagree how that is childishly simplistic. And he's, that's his point, though. But if you're going to make it that simplistic, well, why don't you apply that logic to a million other locations, facetiously, numerous other locations that are equally 
in that discussion, in that wheelhouse of conversation. But they don't care about that because it's only about the thing I'm supposed to support now. What flag am I supposed to put in my bio? That, that, that's what these people are, whether they realize that or not. Within Syria rights, what Russia did to Ukraine, this was yesterday, but it's ongoing into today, is just, and we'll get into what they're arguing from both sides is happening, including what the Russian government and rather the specifically the Russian media is, argue, is reporting about what's happening and what they're being told is happening re- regarding the strikes and what the corporate media is saying and how there is a chasm between the two. How is that even possible? One of them must be wrong. But Russia, what they did in Ukraine today and yesterday is just a slow day in any Western-backed Israeli operation in Gaza or Lebanon. Spare us the morals. Hypocrites. During the 2006 Israeli war in Lebanon, every day, parks, bridges, power stations, civilian airports, ports, water stations, residential buildings were hit every single day. You can look this up. It's even reported in a very different way by the corporate media. Oh, well, you know, you got to fight the war when you're being attacked. So sometimes you just hit playgrounds or however they try to frame it. No one in the entire West gave an F. The Israeli army literally has a doctrine called the Haya, which calls for the systemic destruction of systemic destruction, maybe systematic destruction of the civil infrastructure of Tel Aviv enemies. This doctrine, which you can find, is backed and even financed by the dear allies of Ukraine. So, as an Arab, this person writing this, no, I won't give an F about those who sold their souls to NATO. This is his opinion, obviously. Let them taste some of what they've been through. Now, that I don't agree with. Only in the context of the people that ultimately are the ones taking the brunt of that. But you get the logic. It's in, This is the kind of thing that drives radicalism in people that might not otherwise be that. And that's not what I'm saying in this person's case. But you can see how people in very extreme situations can watch their family murdered in front of them by U.S. bombs and then, and then get called the terrorist on the TV that night. You can see how that, and that's not every possible case, but that's what we see. And in this case, what they just described is easy to prove. Now, even if it's just this one example, you can't pretend like this is unprecedented. This happens, U.S. allies at the hands of U.S. allies constantly. And they don't, they just rationalize or ignore it altogether. Just when, and we are getting murdered. I don't want to use these curse words and so on, but I the, the point ultimately is that this is a slow day in any of these U.S. occupations, Israeli occupations, and no one really talks about that. Here is Africa Archives. NATO. You can make it a U.S. thing. You can make it a NATO thing. It's really all in the same point. NATO launched more than 10,000 air raids on Libya in 2011 with over 500,000 civilian casualties. That's an interesting number. Also, let's not forget just children alone. 500,000 children were killed in Iraq and they told you it was worth it, right? When they were questioned in this case back to Libya about civilian casualties, they insisted that it was collateral damage and that it happens in war. So fine, even if you want to pretend that makes sense, ask yourself why now that logic isn't applied, but only when Russia carries out strikes in response to outright open terrorist attacks. And this is going to be framed as me taking a side in the context of this situation. It's just acknowledging the facts on the ground. If I was going to take a side, it would be nobody bombing anybody. I don't want to say I support Russia bombing Ukraine because that only hurts Ukrainian civilians. You see what I'm saying? And I'm not even talking about hurting civilians on the ground. I'm talking about the fact that whether we're talking about energy infrastructure or military infrastructure, which is what Russia is claiming they're targeting, which then they I'm not even sure if they're acknowledging people were killed, whether you can even prove that since that's Ukraine says. But it's certainly possible, especially any kind of an attack. 
But that still translates into affecting the lives of people that have nothing to do with this. So I don't support any of that. But you can understand the logic behind why strikes might be taken after what we saw with the bridge. That's all we're talking about. This is a wild double standard. It says the country had had one of the highest standards of living in the world at the time. And I've said that so many times over the years. The highest quality of life in Africa, free education, free health care. And they turned it into an absolute despotic, destructive, dystopian state. Whereas there's still battles between warlords and, and, and areas and people being sold as open slaves. That's the version of freedom and democracy they wanted you to buy. Or you can argue they just wildly screwed it up. In any case, why are we letting them do it again? The mainstream media will never tell you this. Here's just a meme that I thought was very telling. First one, just a normal bomb, right? Next one, with a Russian flag on it, well, that's a bad bomb. Bad one. Bad guy, right? Well, UK UK flag on it, well, that's a, that's a nice bomb. You know, we'll, we'll ignore it. It's nice. Not bad. We'll, we'll let it go. US flag, well, that's a good bomb. No matter what, that's positive. That's life. That's freedom. That's good. No matter what it does, right? Well, Ukraine flag today, well, it's a very good bomb. That's just, that's even better than freedom, whatever that becomes. And then, of course, Israel bomb is just, what bomb? <laughs> doesn't exist. What do you mean? There's no nuclear bombs. There's no bombing. It's not happening. Fake news. You're a terrorist. Right. We can see how stupid this all is, and that's very clear, hopefully, to anybody even remotely paying attention. Now, you can argue that there is good guy, bad guy, if you want to play the game, but you can't ignore the willful hypocrisy of how they cover this stuff, which there's no way around it. That's dishonest. Here is NATO media, just in regard to Ukraine, before and after 2022, before Ukraine crisis. The Guardian, welcome to Ukraine, the most corrupt nation on earth, or in Europe, excuse me, in Europe, which we've already covered that. That, that was written while the U.S. government occupied the area. Well, now, you, The Guardian, same, same outlet. The fight for Ukraine is the fight for liberal ideals. Well, it's weird seeing as how it's, by and large, the same grouping of people involved. You can prove this, by the way, the Ukraine, the, the Azov movement and Svoboda and right sector and all the same ones. But apparently now that we have the backing of the West and Russia, bad guy, well, now the most corrupt nation on Earth is about fighting for liberal ideals. Well, that's a little too close to all back to you when you really think about it. Rev Reuters, Ukraine's neo-Nazi problem. Today, for foreign fighters, Ukraine offers purpose, camaraderie and a cause. Yeah, what, what exact cause is that, by the way? Vox, a Ukrainian comedian. I mean, you get the point. It goes on and on and on, where these people just literally undermine their own arguments 30 seconds later, the moment that it suits them, because I support the current thing. Here's Wyatt Reed, doing great work on the ground, showing you real-time information that they don't want you to see. This person, first of all, stands up, and this is, this is the, one of the prime ministers of, of, of Israel, occupied Palestine. He says, I strongly condemn the Russian attacks on the civilian population. Not, not actually what happened in Kiev and other cities across Ukraine. I send our sincere condolences to the families of the victims of the Ukrainian people. Right, because this guy really cares about this, right? This is not a joke, by the way. This is from, uh, this is from April 9th, 2016. I believe this is Haaretz, but Philip Weiss is... You, you could, this, there's a lot of interesting writing that comes out of Times of Israel, Haaretz, but the point is it says Israel demands correction. It only killed 532 Palestinian children in 2014 in the summer. That's real, by the way. You know why? Well, because we're defending ourselves. And you're throwing stones and stuff. We can't just let them throw stones. I mean, th this is not a joke. This person is wanting you to think we condemn, we care about the civilians. Only the civilians that we want to pretend were killed by Russia. That, those are the ones we we're going to stand up and condemn and talk about. 
But of course, when we continue to murder children because of our agenda, that's their bad guy terrorists, though. It's just willful ignorance about what's going on. It doesn't mean you can accept, accept that Russia's doing good all the time. It just means you have to be honest with yourself about the way that this is being framed, and you can't walk away from this feeling like your government cares about human life when they only so apply that selectively when it suits their agenda. This should, it's just heartbreaking because this, this allows it to continue. Nothing else. Now, here is the statement put out by Secretary Blinken, just another talking head put out by the same people we're always talking about, international law a la carte. Now, what you'll see here in the, the meme is that he, and down here you'll find a link to it, he lists off what he says, and I'll read it first, the way he wrote it. Look, leaving aside the legalities of the question as a practical matter, the Golan, Golan Heights, is very important to Israel's security. As long, like, of course, that explains everything, right? As long as Assad is in power in Syria, as long as Iran is present in Syria, militia groups backed by Iran, the Assad regime itself, all of these pose a significant security threat to Israel. And as a practical matter, the control of the Golan in that situation, I think, remains of real importance to Israel's security. Legal questions are something else, right? So basically acknowledging that if we think it's important for us, legalities don't matter anymore. How dare you going to bring up law when we think this is important for what we want to achieve? How dare you? He goes on to say, and over time, if the situation were to change in Syria, that's something we'd look at. But we're nowhere near that. Okay, fine. So we don't care about the law when it's important to Israel's security. Now let's frame this differently as he did in the meme here for those in the podcast. Look, leaving aside the legalities of that question as a practical matter, the Donbass is very important to Russia's security. As long as Zelensky's in power in, in Ukraine, as long as NATO is present in Ukraine, militia groups backed by NATO, the Zelensky regime itself, all of these pose a significant security threat to Russia. There's no denying that, regardless of whether you think Russia bad guy, and as a practical matter, the control of Donbass in that situation, I think, remains of real importance to Russia's security. Legal questions are something else. Over time, if the situation were to change in Ukraine, that's something we'd look at, but we're nowhere near that. And why is it any more ridiculous, more or less? It's not. You're saying we don't care about the law that we uphold for anybody else we want to, except in this case. See, it's, it's just blatant hypocrisy. These are bad people we're talking about. Now, on a one, one quick little insert note for foreign policy before we continue on this, the discussion of the, the strikes, think about how selectively this is applied. Really interesting. This came out on the 8th of October. Chinese police station, which is that's not really what it appears to be. It's a, like a civil state, but regardless, it's a Chinese station. Let's we'll just call it a police station for the purposes of the argument in New York City, which is strange, very strange. Why that's even allowed is very odd to me that apparently spies on dissenters was run by a shady charity on the IRS blacklist. All right. So the whole thing is the Chinese police station set up to the country's national on the country's nationals in lower Manhattan is run by a U.S. charity that is on an IRS blacklist. Right. Basically, it says the IRS yanked the group's tax scam status for failure to submit its tax filings for three straight years. Bottom line is there's a connection back to China. And everybody's losing their minds about it, which I agree. It's crazy because, of course, could the Chinese government be using this as a way to spy? Absolutely. Maybe as a quick little indication that they're already blacklisted, and yet you let them go three years without putting up their information. That sounds like a choice. Regardless, what about the, all, all of the endless, I mean, literally endless Israeli government-owned, back-controlled government businesses, entities, groups, communities? I mean, you, it's crazy. 
How about just the idea that our 911 call centers in many places across this country are run by an Israeli company tied directly to Unit 8200? That's provable that Whitney wrote about. Why doesn't that matter? Oh, well, because we like Israel. We don't want to pretend, you know, we pretend we don't like China right now. That is just willfully dishonest and hypocritical. That's it. That's the point. One, if one matters, they all should matter. But apparently it's okay to sell your country out to some people, but not to others. Got it. Okay, well, let's go on to the, the first, the corporate media conversation here about, God damn it, about what is going on yesterday and today. First of all, as it says, Russia rains missiles down on Ukraine's capital and other cities in retaliation for Crimea bridge blast. That is actually still ignorantly how they're calling this. I mean, it's really embarrassing. I mean, this is this is like the idea that we'll scream that these things don't cause myocarditis, the injections, until we're literally forced to ignore children in piles have myocarditis or the fact that everywhere around the world you look, we're overwhelmed. And finally, they go, OK, fine. One in a billion. We'll give it to you. Nope, still not enough. We have watched the Ukraine military admit this. We've watched them gloat. We've watched people on the ground. We've watched them release information that proves they had foreknowledge. And yet they're still going to go, well, fire and stuff. And they're going to blame Ukraine because they're conspiracy theorists. That's what they're still walking with. This says retaliation about what they're claiming. They're, you know, obviously what it was. Retaliation in discussing Russia's strikes in Ukraine. They're claiming this is an actual journalist in the U.S. government or U.S. not really that far off, in the U.S. media, saying he knows, or I don't even see a name now. They don't even put their names on these anymore. That's crazy. Is there even an... <laughs> okay, so apparently, and I mean, this happens in some outlets, but apparently this is just CBS News, so all the better. So you don't have to, there's no one person they could pass it off to. This is all CBS News. This is their garbage, specifically as an outlet, because they don't even have a name listed on who wrote this. So apparently CBS News... It knows what Putin intended this to do. Now, I make this point all the time. They literally write retaliation meant to terrorize Ukrainian civilians. How in the world could you possibly know that? What if they missed? What if they aimed in the wrong direction? How do you know what they intended to do? This is the kind of childish representation that we know because we Putin feels like this and he thinks things like this because Putin this. Therefore, he meant to do this. That is the kind of like, Got like gossip high school level bull crap that we're seeing from people in the corporate media today. It should be embarrassing. Okay. Russia's strongman leader, Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Same thing. Acknowledged the barrage of missiles, which Russia claimed targeted only energy infrastructure, was retaliation for an apparent Ukrainian attack on a key bridge over the weekend. Now, they make this point more than once that Putin claims it was retaliation for what he says was an attack. Nowhere in this discussion do they even poke in to any of the information around the bridge. That's a willful choice. Don't you find that relevant? If you, if he's claiming it's retaliation, maybe half a paragraph discussing the evidence around what actually happened on the bridge. Nah, we don't care about facts in our journalism. We want to hyperbolically discuss what we think he feels. That's what we love to do today. Goes on to say, blame Kiev for a massive explosion on a 12-mile bridge connecting Crimea with Russia. Crimea is a large Ukrainian peninsula that Russian occupied and then unilaterally annexed eight years ago. I mean, they just can't get rid of the nonsense. This has been proven. I don't care that they keep saying it repeatedly like they keep saying Assad carried out these gas attacks that we've proven a 50,000 times over they lied about. Or we can catch them lying and cheating and manipulating the OPC. No, we can see all of this stuff. They've gotten caught. They just keep saying the lie. 
Sort of like Russiagate, sort of like safe and effective, right? <laughs> so Crimea, occupied and stolen. And the next part, like Putin's recent land grab for Ukrainian regions. I mean, it's just embarrassing. They should lose all credit. Well, has that already happened? I'm pretty sure they have lost all credibility. That is proven by international observers and numerous other examples that this was a referendum that was voted for. And it's even more embarrassing when you then point out how they're attacking these people. Like, I'm going to come to it in a second. But the idea that we can prove right now. Where was it? It's right. I'm going to come back to it in a second. Shoot. Hold on. I'm showing you all my, my tweets here. Where was that? Right here. Okay. So the idea that there, we just talked about this, how they declared the collaborators will be shot like pigs. And then went on to murder a bunch of people, even talking openly about how they have been doing so. And you know who those people are? Anybody involved with that referendum. So explain for me how the people involved with a referendum that apparently didn't exist, that apparently Russia lied about and occupied, are then responsible for something they didn't do. <laughs> Oops. There's, it's that simple to realize. These people are calling out. They don't want the, the Crimean people are being attacked. The Donbass people are being attacked. Because they're simply there. You know why? Because they are Russian-speaking and they don't want to be part of Ukraine. It's been openly stated and easily proven for 10, a decade. And now we watch them attack those people. We watch them murder and assassinate those people. And at the same time, the media argues that they're protecting those people from Russia. It's pretty damn simple. Now, see, someone's posting in the chat that the Grey Zone has proof the British hand. That's not true. That's that's I was just talking about a moment ago. What they have is evidence that the UK intelligence had planned or outlined a possible use of that on the bridge. That's what I was saying before. That's important. But in no way does that prove that the British did it. This is how this stuff tends to work. I, I'm, I, I'm very skeptical of a lot of things coming from that outlet, to be quite honest. But regardless, it's important. Because it does appear to be UK information and it does appear to show that they plan this. My point is always is that they always argue, well, we'll plan for a thousand different things. Doesn't mean we're going to do it. That's how they explain Operation Northwoods, for example. Still very important. Regardless, let's come back to this. Okay, one more thing down here. It says... The explosions came a day after Putin said Ukraine was behind an explosion on the Kerch Bridge. Linking Kremlin. So three times. Three times they, they discussed the bridge, but don't ever dive into the information. But it says on Saturday, Russia said some road and rail traffic had resumed over the strategic link, which is so funny to me, right? So you're telling me CBS News doesn't have the resources to check that, right? Russia said they opened the bridge. Well, they did open the bridge. So you... Do you love you, the point? My point is simple as this. There is right there, by the way. And I'll show it at the end. Very clearly, already one day later, already had one lane of traffic going back and forth. But why wouldn't you just be like Russia opened the lane? Because we we took ten seconds to prove that. Because they don't want to. They want they, they. This is the kind of childish corporate media action they take. Russia said the some road and rail traffic have been resumed. A powerful symbol of Crimea's 2014 annexation of Crimea. That's what they're arguing. That the bridge is, a, is them promoting their stealing of Crimea. <laughs> no. The bridge had served as a vital supply link between Russia and annexed Crimea. Okay, so now it seems like they're getting into, without saying it, why it made sense that if it was Ukraine, well, this is why they would be justified in doing so. We didn't say that, though. Here's the next paragraph. Some military analysts argue the explosion could have a major impact if Moscow sees the need to shift already hard-pressed troops to Crimea from other regions, or if it prompts a rush by residents to leave. Oh, so it's okay, then. So we're going to tacitly be accepting of the murder of civilians because, well, this is militarily important. Now, that's my take on it. But that you're, they're basically acknowledging that that's a strategic point that it makes sense to take out, even though it's civilian infrastructure. 
Now, can you imagine if it was even the assumption or the argument or asking whether it could have been Iran, Syria, anybody involved with something that that involved the U.S. infrastructure or Israel infrastructure or U.K. infrastructure? They would lose their minds arguing it. They would take the microphone. They would say they did it. We know it without any evidence. We see how this goes. It's insulting to our intelligence the way they play this game. Here's the New York Times. Putin unleashes barrage of missiles on Ukraine's civilian areas. Okay. Well, how much of this is Ukraine saying we see what's happening here or seeing these things and how much has been proven, which, by the way, there's ways you can actually prove where these missiles came from, what they hit and the damage they've done, which I'm sure will come out. Russia, I'm sure, will put it up and they'll dismiss it and ignore it like always because I'm wondering whether or not there's been action taken by Ukraine. The only reason I would go that far to jump into that without information is because we've already caught Ukraine lying over and over and over, killing people, literally murdering their own civilians to blame on Russia. That is not a question anymore. And we've gotten into this over many shows. So when we have this kind of stuff happen, it doesn't make sense for Russia strategically to do something like this and target civilians. Now, could they have made a mistake? Could they have intended to? target areas that were a little bit questionable because they thought there would be absolutely i do not dispute that governments would murder people for their own agenda any of them but from a strategic perspective this doesn't make sense now there's two ways to look at it either it didn't happen and they strategically bombed a bunch of locations which is what the evidence seems to show and there just happened to be some casualties in the area which i don't justify but you again can understand why they would feel the need to be driven to this with what just happened seeing bombs go off in civilian Russian territory, which did happen, as well as the bridge and many other locations. And then the other part of it could be that maybe the 14 people is the proof that this was strategic. That if you bomb 60 different locations and only 14 people get killed, first, is that is that what happened? And if that is what happened, that pretty clearly shows you they weren't aiming at civilians, right? You can't play it both ways and be like, that's how bad an unstrategic they are when they tried to kill civilians it pretty clearly kind of suggests here that they were aiming at strategic areas and people happen to get killed that's just that's a quick i'm we'll plan on waiting for more information to come out from all sides and i'm willing to bet you my life that you'll get very minimal if not like maxar technology level information from one side and a lot of stuff coming from the other just a guess that's usually how this goes but to the other point this was Zelensky basically saying very high that day apparently saying that a cloudy day in Crimea. Very, you know, ba- civilians just got killed and making a joke about how it's funny that it happened. But again, this is one of the tweets that I saw first, but we, a lot of people have been sharing this, and rightly so. Within hours of this happening, I think less than three hours, there was already this posted and out and discussed. This is a, a stamp commemorating the explosion of the bridge. I mean, you just can't pretend that that's not obvious. And where's the extensive mainstream corporate journalists? They can't even mention that. They can't even fact check that, right? They don't even want to talk about that. Well, here's somebody pointing out that the recent Ukrainian suicide bombing attack, which is, I agree, that's what we talked about or what we're seeing, whether it was a potential sub underneath or even more so something under underneath the water or something on top. I'm going to show you a couple points here. I agree that's what happened because, guys, they've already claimed this and their own sycophant people on their telegram channels and elsewhere are proudly talking about it but the point is the recent bombing on the bridge coupled with the u.s report which very quick quickly fell under the discussion nobody wants to talk about it that they acknowledge the ukrainian government openly murdered dugan's daughter in moscow that's one of the reasons this all makes sense 
to bomb an open civilian infrastructure bridge, to murder somebody, to assassinate a civilian inside the country. Can you imagine what the United States would do if there was even the thought it might have been Russia that did this inside the United States? Would you, do you think they'd even wait for evidence? So why do you think Russia needs to? It's just simply being even-handed, isn't it? But it makes it clear, he says, that billions of U.S. tax dollars are being spent to support a terrorist regime. I agree. There's no denying this at this point. Here's Maria pointing out, you, I can't agree more with Eva Bartlett. She says, remember, what strikes have occurred in Ukraine, this was yesterday, are but a fraction of the hell Donbass civilians have endured for eight years. Almost nine. And she points out Donbass since 2014. All the things they're trying to recreate under what they say is happening in their own country under the hands of Russia. Just people, civilians dying, houses being bombed, being stuck in these basements because they're being forced into them. And this has destroyed residential buildings, even kindergartens, killed civilians due to Ukrainian shellings of Donbass. You can prove all of this. Kindergartens, hospitals, everything. It's already been happening recently as well. As Eva points out, Ukraine provided, provoked the retaliatory strikes hitting key infrastructure. At the same time, unlike how many supporters of Ukraine delight when Donbass civilians are killed, which they do, and we've pointed it out. I don't rejoice at all, she says, if any Ukraine civilians are killed or injured. RT reports at least 10 killed, 60 injured in Monday strikes. Ukrainian police. That is a normal day in Donetsk. Donetsk, yeah. Other areas of the Donbass are under Ukraine shelling. For example, Ukraine shelling of Central Donetsk September 17th, 19th, and 22nd killed 26 civilians, 16 in one day. And here we are talking about 10 to 14 that we haven't even proven or verified at this point. I'm not disputing. I'm just saying it's still up in the air. And here we are. Well, you can prove this stuff. There's multiple journalists on the ground, whether you do, even if you don't like Eva Bartlett, Vanessa Bealey, or Wyatt, or Lancaster, or any of them, there's plenty of other people from all places of the world. This is not secret anymore. You can watch video of the middle of Donetsk being openly bombed, and it's not the Russian government. The people on the ground will tell you that. The people watching it will tell you that. And here we are. Why don't they care about that? Because they don't really care about people being killed. They care about using them when they can. Oh, here's another interesting point, by the way. Just to keep track. Oh, of course, it just changed on me. It said, stop the shots. It was trending and then just went away. Look, lockdowns. These things are popping up and very quickly being removed. So they're gaming this like crazy. But here is Wyatt Reed. And I told you this before. His hotel was bombed right after all of this because they were showing you what was going on. It was a hotel known to house international journalists. Why isn't that a massive war crime? Why isn't the corporate media screaming about that? Got to defend the journalists, right? Apparently not. Because these are not the kind you want to defend. So we like free speech, but only for people we want to financially support, though. Hypocrites. But he says his hotel got hit by Ukrainian artillery strike. He watched a massive explosion rock the intersection. Had he been moments later, he would have been killed. And his report were directly from the scene of the crime. We're here at the corner of Ottoman Street and Rova Ave, where a artillery strike by the Kiev regime just rocked this intersection. I was about 100 meters away at the time. And uh, as you can see, the devastation is incredible. This is a normal occurrence for the people of Donbass, uh, the people of Donetsk. They are living under this threat every day. And I just got a taste myself. I watched a massive explosion rock this corner. Uh, huge, huge ball of uh, sparks and flames um, here at my hotel. Uh, shrapnel 
from the explosions shattered uh, several windows and that was uh, pretty lucky. God, man, it's just so and here. And one of the things that I think that uh, Scott Ritter really made clear was that you can prove mathematically where these came from based on. the. And why don't they do that then? Where's the corp? Because I'll tell you right now, because they know on the ground. So to the people in the area that this is coming from Ukraine, you can prove mathematically that these aren't coming from Russia and nobody cares. Because they already know the answer. They just act like it's not happening with one, like, a quick dismissal sidestep of, like, well, it's probably Russia. Well, why don't you prove that then? They don't want to prove it because they don't want to know. It's it's sad. Now, really quickly, just to prove my point, I don't know what will happen. How much you want to bet Trudeau crime minister disappears if I refresh the page? Well, look at that. How is that possible? You want to explain for me how something can be trending because my point, the reason I say that is because we watched it refresh on the podcast while that was playing. It refreshed and that popped up. It, it refreshed. So within the process of less than 30 seconds, apparently Twitter wants you to think that Trudeau crime family or whatever it said was trending. And then you refresh the page and less than 30 seconds later, it's no longer trending. BS. They are they are losing control of their trending, apparently, and trying to hide that. I don't know how else you frame that. Anyway, to continue forward. Now, here is why it also pointing out the examples of the many sycophantic people out there that are happily going. It's beautiful. Look at this bridge where people died. It's beautiful, right? Because we promote a terrorist organization that we think it's okay as long. And don't forget, Maxar Technologies always sticking their fingers in CIA cutout that they are. Here is what he says now. So don't forget, it's beautiful that Ukraine just murdered civilians on a bridge because we'll bad guy Russia. Well, now that Russia fires back to hit strategic locations that they claim killed people. Russia can't win in the field, so it murders civilians. A pathetic terrorist. doesn't matter what your argument is here. How do you possibly put that together? It's, so this is people, these are people that I argue that are, are, are playing into the perceptions of the world. Paul Massaro here is very aware that if he claims that this is a terrorist act, the people that want to support the bad guy Russia narrative will spread this like crazy. Well, because he's a journalist or whatever they argue but this part of it is only beautiful because it's freedom and we're fine you know whatever it's, just, it's it's a double standard you can't pretend that killing civilians is beautiful on one side but claim it's a terrorist act on the other because one guy you claim is good the other bad it's childish and Huddy points out they went from celebrating blowing up civilians on a bridge to denouncing bombs and war real quick kiev should understand the message Russia has been avoiding a full-scale war and still is, but that won't last if Kiev's regime continues bombing civilians in Donbass and Crimea. Absolutely agree. Now here is NATO's Secretary General Stoltenberg. NATO condemns the terrible and indiscriminate attacks on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine. Really, NATO? Well, okay. As they point out, let's let's just thank you for AZ, the AZ geopolitics. Let's remind Stoltenberg what and how NATO behaved in Yugoslavia in 1999, or for that matter, anywhere we want to talk about. Just what we're looking at is civilian locations, by the way. We're talking about downtown areas. Just for, you know, people that don't understand the, the different language. 
sono le ore 19.30 del 24 marzo del 1999, nove anni fa. Per vincere la guerra gli aerei della Nato distruggono 82 volte. You get the point. Now, what about Syria? Right? What about Raqqa? What about all the numerous locations where they're still digging up dead bodies? Or, you know, were for a very long time at the very least. That doesn't matter? Come on. I mean, I, here's a, my God, if anybody, anybody who, have a, who has a nonpartisan stance in all of this could possibly trend on Twitter, maybe we could change the world. Just maybe. I'm just, it's just so frustrating. There's so many people out there that can see through all of it that never break through. That's just, what a coincidence. Now, here is, of course, the funny part of this, too, before we transition into what the RT and Russian government are saying about what happened, <clears throat> is what we're seeing in the political absurdities of the U.S. society 2020, at least on one side of this. And this, of course, it's a partisan talking point, but at the same time, it's true. But it, we need to, as always, think about this in a broad sense that applies to all sides as this teeter-totters throughout the years. But in 2020, absolutely. Trump is going to start World War III. Right. That was, oh, my God, we can't allow this to happen. And then 2022, we need to start World War Three for freedom. <laughs> it's just, it's it's this is constant. It's amazing the way you watch these evolution. These these people can't even reflect enough on their own stands to realize that they're currently contradicting what they said moments ago. It's every possible narrative you can look at today. Now, here is from today. Moscow reveals results of new strikes on Ukraine. Now, it says Russia has confirmed attacks on infrastructure for the second day in a row and says that all targets were hit, which, you know, that always happens. I would argue it probably wasn't all of them. And then the other side, Ukraine says none of them hit. We stopped them all successfully. It's the whole Iron Dome thing they do back and forth. But new missile strikes targeting Ukrainian military command and control sites in the country's energy infrastructure were conducted on Tuesday, today. The Russian Defense Ministry reported the attacks hit all intended targets and achieved their goals, they said. And again, it's always that whether that happened or not, that's probably what they would say. Earlier in the day, Ukrainian officials and media reported, reported excuse me, <clears throat> more Russian long-range attacks in a rerun of Monday's strikes. Andrei Sad uh, Sadovoy, the mayor of the city of Lvov in western Ukraine, excuse me, suddenly having indigestion, said his city faced another blackout due to the damage inflicted by Russia. Okay, now let, let's just say that's absolutely what's happening. The way they always want to frame this is somehow like a, a energy attack on the civilians of the area. Now, if it was in reverse and they had bombed specifically Russian infrastructure to put out the entire country's power, well, they would be like, good, because Russia, bad guy. And you can't play it like that, right? If you want to argue that those things are good on one side, you have to be objective and say it in reverse. If Russia is doing this, it's because they were it, what they're claiming anyway, just for the sake of conversation, taking it at face value, if what they were doing was specifically targeting infrastructure and doing so that took out the power of a large area, how is that unjustified in what's going on? In the same way you would argue in reverse, that you are driven to respond. I mean, we're not even talking preemptive self-defense here. We are literally talking, we just got a person assassinated in Moscow, our, our own bridge infrastructure bombed, people died. So our argument is we are forced to take action so they can't, continue to target inside of Russia. That's that logic applies to literally any government, whether you agree with it or not. That's what many of them would argue, even to the point where UK, US and Israel would say, we think they might do that. So we're going to bomb now and act like that's defense. 
That's a defendable stance that they're going to bomb a country because they believe they might attack them. But when they Russia gets attacked in multiple situations or even going further back and arguing about the red lines that they continue to push, the response is unjustified. Now, of course, from the side of the people wanting to claim that we're all Russian shills, they're going to say Russia's bombing and attacking Ukraine. And that's the end of the story. Right, Mark Ruffalo? It's just that simple. But it's not, though. It's just not. Just like any other situation is not that simple. There's always more factors involved. But if it's kindergarten class, they want to just make it good guy, bad guy. And that's how and those people will refuse to look at anything we're talking about. A missile strike, they said, at a critical infrastructure object has left some 30% of the area without power, the official reported. He added that there were still issues with the water supply in the city and urged residents to stockpile for possible cuts. Now, here's an overlap. Again, showing you the larger agenda. What's the possibility that this is all directed towards the idea of creating more energy, food, water problems, whether in Ukraine or elsewhere, that lead us all in the same direction? Now, I'm not suggesting that that means the entire situation in Donbass is a fake or anything like that. I 100% stand by everything I just said. That does not mean those things can happen simultaneously. That does not mean that they're not still using all of this, even alongside each other, to drive this in. Something we have to consider. Now it says down here, the barrages came a day after almost all major regions of Ukraine came, came under a massive aerial assault. The Ukrainian military claimed to have intercepted roughly half of the missiles, but yeah, exactly. But nevertheless, 11 key cities, sites all across the country were damaged. Now, what I'm going to in a moment is the argument that it seems that this was a massively destabilizing attack that targeted specific areas that really just kind of decapitated the Ukrainian special services agenda. Now, that's not the way they're going to frame this, but we're sure we're going to find out over the next however long as this goes forward. Because they want to make this about a terrorist attack, but if Russia essentially just decided to go this far to stop them for once and for all, essentially, you know, cutting the head off the snake, that's kind of one of the arguments being made. Well, we're going to see that play out over the next however. I, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because what I think is going to happen already is that the outside forces, the U.S. and so on, are going to use this as, by the way, something that he clearly drove to happen as the justification, as always, to push in even further, to initiate the NATO agreement, to push in and actually be present. And then it literally becomes U.S.-Russia and it becomes a much different situation, even though it already is. The perception that it's not makes a difference. Now, it says... Moscow targeted Ukrainian power plants and other critical facilities after what Russian President Putin called a series of terrorist attacks. Now, understand, it's not just the bridge. It's the assassination of Dugina. It's the, it's the, the numerous things that have happened inside Russia that they claim aren't connected. The latest of them, the Crimea Bridge, Russian investigators reported on Saturday that at least three civilians were killed by the blast, but it may be as high as six. Putin said Kiev's tactics could not be left without a response. Well, that sure sounds exactly like what you hear from U.S. and everybody else and exposed its energy sector to Russian strikes by trying for months to sabotage key Russian infrastructure. So if you could disagree with what they're saying. You can say they're lying. But if you think if considering that that might be true, how would the U.S. respond if they felt that their energy infrastructure? I mean, you, you hear how they're screaming about that right now. If they thought for one second that it was impossible, that that was that might happen. And that if they didn't do something, they could lose. They could get. Their entire infrastructure taken down. Are we going to pretend that they wouldn't take action? That's their Bethlehem doctrine. They would have already attacked by now. And they might, they might soon, based on the same argument. But it's apparently unjustified for them to do the same thing in Russia. Kiev's foreign backers condemned Russia's attacks on Ukraine infrastructure, of course, in contrast to the muted reaction to the incident on the bridge. 
The White House on Saturday declined to comment on the bridge. Of course, maybe they haven't got their ducks in a row just yet and pledged to continue military support for Ukraine. Of course, because that's unjust. That's never off the table. We're, don't forget, the, the Congress of the United States has already committed your tax dollars in the U.S. until 2029 to Ukraine. That's not a joke. Now, Tom points out the death toll of today's attacks. Uh, there's differing points, but 14 seems to be the general point at this point, But because this was posted yesterday. So let's just call it 14. Nearly 100, 100 missile strikes accurately hitting their intended targets across the entire country. And only 14 people died? Ukraine killed five people on the bridge alone. Don't you think there's some contrast that needs to be highlighted there? Right? I mean, think about how in the world you're going to pretend this was a targeted civilian attack and only 14 people, that's even Ukraine's argument, got killed from, what they say, 60 locations? That was what Russia claimed. I mean, that, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it really is on its face ridiculous. He says the narrative that this was some bloodbath is ridiculous. Ukrainians will live. Hospitals and other humanitarian necessities will still have electricity. And all that's happened today is that Ukraine's ability to function, including militarily, is significantly lessened. And that's what I think we're going to see fleshed out. As Big Surge points out, while the Ukrainian government claims that Russia bombed a playground, which those, that's my point from before. I mean, shouldn't we demand these things are proven and and then use what we talked about? The uh, was the Esmuth uh, triangulation to find out whether or not that was a Russian bomb because they could do that. You know why they don't? Because I would argue that they didn't bomb a playground. I would argue that they in no way even intended to bomb anything that wasn't strategic, just based on just basic logic of what benefits them in this moment. Not to say that they couldn't be capable of those things. That's always the argument. I don't think it makes sense in any way for them to even accidentally let this happen because we're already look, we're already seeing how it plays out. But the claims of the playground and so on, which I think either didn't happen or are being framed, their telegram channels are melting down over the damage done to the SBU. This is my point. Now, I don't, the telegram channels are hard for me to use as evidence because it's you never know. I don't even know if those are the, the people you can prove they're actually saying it. But they do have these channels, the, the Ukrainian secret services, the, the different uh, Azov movement channels where they open. They literally promote the idea that they're murdering people, that they're killing Russians, whether in Ukraine or not, by the way. But it says what happened in Kiev was not a terror bombing. It was a decapitation strike against the security services. And it says, and this is one of the examples from one of these channels. Again, you know, take it as you will. It says, F Gondola, I hope the Russians will burn in hell along with their bridge and the new commander for this. A number of our objects were struck. The work is currently very difficult. People died, a lot of good, worthy people. Of course, you know, in the Nazi groupings that we're talking about. Among them were my friends. No less con condemned sit in the leadership of the country. They perfectly understood that there would be a response, but they did nothing to prevent the death of employees, nothing. So it just sounds like a, they're feeling attacked and, and, and on the defensive here. But the Secret Service is the reason I framed it that way is because that group, among many of them, are some of the most obviously overtaken by the Azov movement, which are inherently neo-Nazi, fascist, and straight-up Nazi. Now, I only say that for the people that want to quibble about that because you can show literal Nazi ideology. And I'm not talking just because they do it, because they believe that. They tie all the way back to the founding member that they use from the CIA and Project Aerodynamic, Mikola Labed, who is a Nazi war criminal from Poland. Undeniable. The Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists, I've gone over this many, many, many times. But here's Kim.com pointing something out that this is adds some credence to the idea that this was a, a drone, which don't forget, they've already sent these kind of drones, in spe specifically, I should say, the Kamikaze drones, 
but the idea that they send any drones would suggest that they're willing to send a lot of different things, especially ones they don't want you to talk about. We've already proven, you know, like the Wall Street Journal's article of the secret Soviet era weaponry they sent to Ukraine just for trading purposes, though, they swear. And what a joke. Well, there's Kim.com. Who blew up the pipeline? Because we're already taught, we already forgot about that, right? Oh, and that, let's not let's not forget to include the obvious attack on the pipeline in the terrorist attacks we're talking about. Grazprom, which is the Russian energy company, just released these photos of a NATO Seafox drone that was found. And this is you can look this up. This is they as they were discussed. NATO even responded. Was found right next to Nord Stream One in 2015. The drone failed to detonate. NATO was caught red-handed and then openly claimed that the drone was just lost during exercises. You know, exercises right along with Nord Stream 1 pipeline, of course. As he pointed out, they tried before. This is how obvious this stuff is becoming. Now, as Wyatt Reed points out, these are the same people we're talking about here. So if we're going to quibble about whether or not they would lie, murder people, and blame it on somebody else, or outright... I mean, anything, really. I mean, that's really nothing's off the table for these kind of people. And we've already talked about this story. Days after Kiev publicly declared that the collaborators, meaning the people in Donbass, the people in Crimea, the very people the corporate Western press want you to think they're fighting for, will be shot like pigs, Ukrainian regime forces have begun uploading footage of themselves doing exactly that. Now, the point here I made before, which is important not to miss, this is an obvious provable point. So they're calling the people in the Donbass region collaborators and they're claiming they're going to shoot them like pigs. Well, how is that? How does that work with the corporate Western press narrative that they didn't do that, that Putin lied about it and has occupied the territory? If that's the case, then why are they shooting them? Shouldn't they be rescuing them from the occupier? Again, oops. It doesn't make sense. It's obvious that they are calling them collaborators because they chose to leave Ukraine and go to Russia. And not go to allow themselves to be annexed by Russia because of the referendum that numerous, hundreds of international observers aligned, watched, and said was legitimate. I mean, what evidence has the U.S. government put forward that it wasn't legitimate? Ask yourself that. Is there any? No. They simply go, Russia, bad guy, therefore there's no way. That's that, This is a child-level argument. Shouldn't we demand that they introduce evidence to the UN to argue these kind of things? Nobody seems to care because they're controlling a lot of the aspects involved with this. He writes out, remember this video the next time you and read another mainstream media report claiming Russia is behind mass graves in Kharkiv. And this is something we've already seen, I believe. I forget if I posted this or not. This is Zoran from Azov posted this video in his telegram of executed civilians with their hands tied behind their backs. Now, they've already come out and tried to argue it was fake. That's what he points out in this. Nazi Azov battalion leader Zoran seems to think better of uploading evidence of war crimes to telegram, alerting his his post warning the civilian population of a reckoning to claim that the video was taken a captured Russian soldier's phone. He later edited the post under in order to try and blame it on the Russians. This is the kind of clumsy effort they're making to hide the obvious. As well as, you know, just lying about any number of things that have been proven to be lies, and yet we keep giving them the benefit of the doubt, or rather the corporate media does. It's embarrassing. Here's Wyatt Reed reporting some of these people. The same people that probably gave the location of where he was to try to have that. I mean, you could argue all sorts of things, but these are the people that are in support of what they are doing over there. Here's what they're saying. This one case, but he's pointed out many. Can't wait for the images of mangled flesh that used to be called Wyatt Reed. Anybody confused about what that means? 
Right. This is the same the same kind of people that were calling for the assassination of the people that have been assassinated or attacking people or trying to get people attacked like Eva Bartlett. Wyatt Reed is a foul, disgusting insect. You're a disgrace to humanity. You ugly too, bro. Great. So literally hoping for him, he, for him to be taken by the SBU and killed. That's what this means. Now, I shouldn't even say that. Let's just take exactly what it says. I can't wait for the images of his mangled flesh. Cool. So anybody confused? Okay, well, he reported them, and Twitter said, nope, nothing wrong. We determined that there was no violation of the Twitter rules. No big deal. Okay, so if I went over to anybody, anywhere on, one, on the other side of this and said, I can't wait to see mangled flesh of this person, are we going to pretend that we wouldn't instantly be censored? So Twitter is literally allowing people to be threatened, allowing people to be threatened threat with death as long as it comes from the, go the, the side of the people that we're not supposed to call out for what they are. Think about how crazy that is. Here is a video. I didn't get to download. I'm grab right now. Of, as it reads, a district deputy, so a person part of the government from Ukraine, brags to a Zelensky-affiliated channel in Ukraine, so I argue they don't expect people to see it here, that a, a journalist, in quotes, how they killed many Ukrainians. That's what they're talking about. The ones that they consider to be enemy agents. Do they prove that? Apparently in democracy, you don't need a due process or, you know, benefit of the doubt or any kind of like, you know, uh, innocent to prove guilty, you know. It's only democracy once they get rid of the bad guys, right? Well, they're in the middle of war, so they can murder civilians for no reason. These are the people defending democracy, apparently. These people gone missing. It's fun for them. This is what they're arguing. Anybody out there that is defending what they're doing is defending this. Defending the, the, the allowance of murder under the guise of what, really? I mean, it's not even a guise. They're saying, we don't like these people because they didn't do what we said. So it's okay to murder them. And then the Western corporate media comes along the way and says, well, freedom, though. That's why. Oh, you know what? I didn't need to download it, actually, but I'll play it anyway. It's, a, I don't, it's in uh, subtitles. So it says, of course we have. Sure. We have any time to get them into jail, they disappeared somewhere. Gosh, darn it, it's the way that looks here. I'm going to go back, actually. This is easier for, you, for me to read it while I'm playing it. <clears throat> so he says, we haven't any time to get them into jail. They disappeared somewhere. So th just be clear what he's saying there. We have them in custody and we don't have time to put them in jail. So we just, they just disappeared somewhere. That's an open admission to disappearing people that should be going through some kind of process that we pretend is democracy. People are disappearing just like others smoke in Russia. Something like that is happening. It is necessary to make a population census at least how many people are missing in the region. They're laughing about this, you see. Because there are loser, lo losses. Yeah, big losses. So it's, you know, you can see them laughing. Yeah. Yeah, people disappearing. That's what this is. Openly, and you know how many endless videos we've gotten from people inside government positions openly telling you that they believe in these things, openly telling you that they're not what the Western press frames them as, openly telling you that they want to murder people in Donbass, and we just pretend like it's not there. Well, the reality, guys, is this is a, 
un, this is something that is not secret. And I'm starting to wonder whether anybody doesn't understand this. But here's Michael Hudson in 2015 explaining to you not just the U.S. funding the Nazis in Ukraine, but the reality of how they've been funding fascism all around the world to use it as an, to use it to justify their own presence for as long as you want to look back. And even to the point to where we, they made efforts to make sure that places like Russia and China did not go in a direction that looked good because then they wouldn't be able to justify NATO. So the argument being they're doing all this to protect you is completely dishonest from the core point that they create the very threat that they need to justify their presence. But this is nothing new. We've made this argument in many places. He was the strategist for Jimmy Carter and convinced Jimmy Carter to say, look, uh, the Russians are dominating uh, Afghanistan with a civilian secular government. Let's create a new organization. Let's create al-Qaeda. Let's uh, back Osama bin Laden and give his supporters weapons to begin fighting the Russians. And uh, we can pull a coup d'etat there. And uh, the Russians will fight back, and then we'll say the Russians invaded. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Saudi Arabia made a deal with America that they would push the Wahhabi uh, extremists, uh, the al-Qaeda, the very... Uh, the most right-wing uh, wing of the uh, Islamic parties, and it worked. Uh, essentially, al-Qaeda is uh, a contract uh, army uh, for the United States. Well, the same thing uh, was happening in, in Russia. What Brzezinski wrote was that America's faced with a possibility of not being able to rule the world unilaterally. And that would be a disaster for democracy. That uh, we can't let any country's economic ability to be self-sufficient means uh, a potential military power. Think about how crazy that is. So we want to pretend like we want these countries to be prosperous and independent when really what they're doing just under the surface is ensuring they never get there, ensuring that they always depend on the U.S. government for something or for other people. So they're not independent because independence could lead to strong militaries. And that's why you see them undercut places like Libya that have the highest quality of life because it drives to a point where you could have another power somewhere that they don't want to have to fend with. None of this is about the best interest of individual people, countries themselves or the world. This is about preeminence. It always has been. And it used to be very easy to see. The problem was back then, or the problem for, well, the problem, yeah, I guess the problem was that they, there was no internet. They could write these documents openly, and then nobody would even see them. Even if it got leaked, they could just go, that's fake. How would you know? The point is, it's now much easier to dive into these things. He's talking about Zbigniew Brzezinski. By the way, don't forget, Mika on Morning Joe is his daughter. Not if there's like there's points like that all over the place, but he is the one that was was that landed in Afghanistan that spoke to the Mujahideen that knew and just ch please check out the uh, documentaries, the three parts about Al Qaeda that we just went through with James Corbett. All of this is easy to prove. Now, this does dovetail into what he says about Ukraine. It's the same point. This is where I get into Project Aerodynamic, get into the reality of what the CIA has publicly done publicly now in Ukraine. And it didn't just go away. It's the same thing. It is the Azov movement. It is Svoboda. It is the right sector. It is everything happening in Ukraine today. Then ask whether they would attack a bridge with civilians on it. Of course they would, because that's what they're trained and driven to do. They are trying to create destabilization so they can put false flags and attacks. And why, why do you think it started off with them saying crisis actors and false flags? It's very clear where this was supposed to go. 
And in order to prevent any country from threatening America militarily, you have to prevent it from developing economically. Mm -hmm. uh, the American nightmare, Brzezinski wrote, was that Russia would get together with Germany and with Western Europe, creating Russian raw materials, German ah. industry, and somehow, finally, Russia would become westernized. Aha, which is argu arguably what they say they want, right? The problem, though, is that that's what they're actively stopping right now with Nord Stream, with Grosprom, with all the different connections right there. They don't want there to be an overlapping or rather a, a in, um, what's the right word for it? Uh, not infiltration, but a, a you know, a, co a co coordination with Russia, with Europe and anybody else. Right. So that's the opposite of what they're trying to do. They don't want that because then that point arguably would lead to a Russia. That's what they, you know, this isn't necessarily accurate, but that if it's westernized, then it's less Soviet like and dangerous and bad and bellicose and terrorist. And, but they don't want that even perceived like that, because then what's the justification for their militaries and their NATO and everything else? They need the bad guys to justify their presence. Uh, America. Uh get together with Germany and with Western Europe, creating Russian raw materials, German industry, and somehow, finally, Russia would become westernized. Uh, America, uh, under Brzezinski's uh, strategy, said this would be a disaster because if Russia's westernized, if it becomes democratic, <laughs> if, if uh, uh, Europe and Russia are prosperous, then we cannot control them anymore, and they will have no reason to be NATO. That's written down. That's a document that you could look at for yourself. And you could argue it changed. But do you think so, looking at the policy? It's pretty clear that it has not. We've got to stop Russia, and the place to stop this Russian-European uh, conglomeration is to split it right at the border uh, down Ukraine. Let's do in Ukraine what uh, we did in Afghanistan. Let's uh, back the crazies. Well, right. most of them are uh, the, the former uh, neo-Nazi groups that have been uh, uh, so prominent that fly the Nazi flag. Well, there you go. It's, I mean, this is not hard to see. It takes the smallest amount of due diligence to understand what these people actually are, why they're using them, and what the end goal is. I mean, I'm continually beginning to ask whether or not people are actually even buying this anymore. And we're just simply arguing, like banging our heads against a brick wall. Who am I arguing against? We're all over here going, yeah, we all agree, acting like there's some entity over there that's shouting these things down. Are there people saying these ridiculous things on Twitter? Yes. But we know there's a bot manipulation that's constant. We also know that even if you get just 1% of a very vocal population, that you could make that look like everybody. Either way, it's very, very, very obvious. I think this is why they're so desperate to drive this through. Here's Kim.com pointing out the U.S. and Ukraine. And we talked about this when it happened. This is not, these are the kind of obvious points that make this insulting to your intelligence. They were the only two countries at the U.N. General Assembly that voted against combating the glorification of Nazism. I mean, can you, how do you even make sense of that at a time when the U.S. government is screaming about white, fasc, white supremacy, fascism, and Nazis overtaking the country, and then they don't vote to combat the glorification? I mean, how do you even make sense of that? But it includes a, a thread that you can read that goes over this stuff, but you've seen all of this. The idea of how obvious it is that Ukraine, Nazis, fascists, neo-Nazis, all very clearly exist in Ukraine, and I tell you, very clearly, that is because of the agenda that they initiated, just like they did in Afghanistan. All of this is very clear. And this person adds a point that I think is relevant, not to necessarily dismiss this anywhere in the world, but what you can, what he says here is true. And you can prove this. You could argue that it's, a, it's, it's an illusion, that they're saying this because they don't want to, but you don't even have these fake arguments happening in Ukraine. 
He says Russia has Nazis too. Well, by the way, the point is you can find these kinds of people everywhere in the world. Everywhere. He says just one difference though. The Russian state actively prosecutes and bans neo-Nazi activity. And you can prove that this has happened. And you still, you could argue that's all a big scam and that they really are secretly cultivating it. That's what they would love for you to believe. But proof and evidence seems to matter, doesn't it? Now, there's a lot of these articles you can see down here. He says they're considered unwelcome criminals in Russian society, the complete opposite of Ukraine, which welcomes them to the government, the military. There are statues and, and Bandera, you know, all these. It's, it's, it's insultingly obvious. Right now on their, on their shoulders and on their bracelets and everything else, you can see Nazi symbolism. Now, on the other side of this, you can prove that the, even the groups they want to call out, like the, the base, which basically, which it's the translation of Al-Qaeda, by the way, who actually the founder is from the U.S. State Department that apparently retired, who now lives in Russia and is part of white supremacy group. Yeah, that's not an obvious setup coming your way. But my point is, even that group, they want to frame as some kind of being cozy in Russia. And many of these other groups like that have been raided by Russian government. You don't see that happening in Ukraine. That's not what's happening in Ukraine. In any case, it's a very different situation. Now here is an example I was just pointing at. And the U.S. and its allies supported the Contras in Nicaragua, Al-Qaeda and the Taliban in Afghanistan, ISIS and Al-Qaeda in Syria, the MEK in Iran, Zionists in Palestine, Saddam in Iraq, Sauds in Arabia. Did anyone think they wouldn't support Nazis in Ukraine? And this is one of these leader individuals, this has been circulating in the discussion, who has a Nazi symbol on his bracelet. I mean, this is not hard to see. You have to choose to ignore the reality to miss this. And of course, this is the completely predictable uh, conclusion of what happened here. Biden promises Zelensky advanced air defense systems after the attacks. Right. And as I said, so I'm guessing they were delivered months ago then, right? I mean, like pretend like either they're already there and it's not, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous to pretend that they wouldn't have already seen this, done this, sent them and so on. I'm not saying I know it for sure, but my point, my only suggestion is for people to ask whether this was coordinated, planned for, driven into action. Because that's what's been, it's been this way the entire time. And of course, Germany must prepare for increasing attacks on infrastructure. They just put that out. And everyone's like, uh, Russia's fault? My Ukraine? Like, it's a very strange thing just to scream out in the world. Obviously, it's because they're trying to insinuate that they're next to be attacked. That's what I would take it as. And then, of course, right away, Putin strikes prompt Germany to send their own IRST defense systems. So now you got multiple countries sending in multiple defense systems, apparently. And they're continuing to fund billions upon billions of dollars into this country. And still, it's apparently they're not necessarily... There have been back and forth arguments about Ukraine taking back territory and so on. I think what just happened kind of clearly shows you that they're not in a position to truly win if it's left to the current situation. It would have to be the U.S. and Germany outside forces stepping in to fight this battle for them, which is essentially what's already happening, which is, by the way, exactly how the situation is with Saudi Arabia. They can't even tie their own shoes without funding and, and support and actual handholding by other governments. I think that's obvious by Yemen and other situations, but this is where this continues to go. Right. Do we forget about Yemen, by the way? No defending that. Still starving. Still being bombed and attacked by Saudi Arabia. Nobody cares. But all freedom over here because we're defending an army. And don't forget, those little pockets of ISIS and Al-Qaeda that are still there within the controlled territory of Saudi Arabia in Yemen. It's weird how it just continues to be the case, right? It's this obvious if we just care to pay attention. Now, Wyatt Reed also points out, and this is the thing we were making talking about before. Why? And this, by the way, this was my first point about this when it first started. Arguments of attacks and so on. 
Now, it clearly seems that Russia did bomb into Ukraine because of what happened, and they've, they've stated that. But when it first got reported, before we knew it was happening, the, in my opinion, appropriate stance to take would be, okay, well, since Ukraine has lied about numerous things, we should immediately take this with a grain of salt and wait for more information to come. Not what happened, of course. The media blindly said what Ukraine said, which is always what they do. That doesn't mean that it might not turn out to be real. Of course, that's how that works. In this case, it did. But what we need to remember is how many times they've already lied. And that also includes what might be being lied about on the ground, about the kindergarten and people being killed. Given the sheer volumes of fakes, frauds, and forgeries published by the Kiev regime and their backers, you might think that the Western reporters would think twice before treating their claims credulously. But you'd be wrong. Ukrainians are using videos from Lebanon to give them to give them out as Russian missile strikes consequences in Kharkov. So right now, they're using fake videos to claim that's what just happened from the strikes. So why would you need to lie about what happened if what happened is what you said, right? There's no, there's no denying this. Oh, and you know what's also important to include? You know what didn't happen when Lebanon was bombed like this? Any of the things you're seeing today. Nobody cared. Nobody's freaked out. There wasn't Lebanon banners, people's posts, nothing. How do you explain that? If it's enough to freak out about on this side because Ukraine, why didn't it happen in 2020 in Lebanon when it's actually what you're looking at here? For those in the podcast, Ukraine put out Lebanon bombing video of Lebanon from 2020 and is pretending that that is Ukraine today. Same video. How many times did they get caught lying? And again, I asked the question, why would they need to pretend if what they said was true? Now, none of this you're going to see on corporate media or anything else. Finally, just to show you the absurdity of where this ends up, Zelensky says peace talks with Russia not included in peace formula to end the war. Right. Now, this is this is what happens when you get somebody who apparently can't I mean I I shouldn't I, I'm trying to stop myself from <laughs> being personal and making jokes like that but you know someone like Zelensky who they put out there and act like he's a control of things when he's very clearly not in my opinion when you let him say things so Zelensky comes out and says the, the peace formula that we have doesn't include Russia so that means war then got it so your peace formula is to the last Ukrainian do whatever U.S. says. Okay. How in the world are you going to have a peace formula without peace talks with Russia? Anybody explain that to me? That's not a joke what he's talking about. And that's the, what they're admitting to is that we're not, we, we're not even on the table about anything. Russia's opt, uh, offered up peace talks more than once. You can argue they're disingenuous. But Ukraine has rejected them over and over. Acting like they want peace and it's all Putin and he won't come to the table. It's like they do everywhere else. Why would you need to lie if you were the one being honest? And again, as I showed you before, the next day, we I think it was the next day, at least very quickly afterward, it's already happening. The thing they said would never happen again. One lane of traffic apparently is open going across the Crimea Bridge, Crimean Bridge. It's already happening. This was posted on the 8th. Right. So just think about how interesting it is that this was the way they're framing it. Even the corporate media is some catastrophic, you know, Russia has been destroyed by this attack and they can't do this. and They can't do that. And the Crimean people now know the truth. Wait a minute. I thought they were on your side. Oops. The point is. This is the childish cheerleading 
of the corporate media in regard to one side of this while people are being killed for it. And the bridge is already back open. So what was it really about? This? About sending military equipment? I don't think they need to justify that anymore, or they just don't care. Whatever it is, guys, it's driving to more involvement from outside forces, more connection between NATO and Ukraine, and the never-ending situation that you're seeing funded all the way until 2029, which is what just happened. I'm going to try to include that, actually. Then I've got about 10 minutes. I think I'll try to go over a couple of quick points on COVID and then include the rest of that in the next show. Let's see. Right here. I'll include this show. I hope you guys will take the time to watch because this is wild. Congress funds Ukraine to 2029. I, I almost can't even believe that that didn't get more. I mean, they didn't get much attention at all. Where was the link here? I think that's the one. Thank you for the yeah, seen people that shared this with us. Here is the link. I'll just show you real quick. And understand, this is the Congressional Budget Office, and they put out these bills in regard to the government shutdown and so on. Right here. This, this, it lists it all the way to 2032, by the way. But the funding goes all the way, actually, technically goes till 2030, to be honest, because there's 3 million earmarked all the way to 2030. But they have $233 million earmarked for 2029. Look over here, though. 2024, $1,344 million. Because you can see it's, it's by millions. So whatever that translates to, $1,344 million. Another $1,127 million earmarked for 2025. It goes on and on and on. Think about how crazy that is. How is that justified? Blows the mind, doesn't it? All while we're watching what these people really are. Well, yeah, I've, I, I'm going to do a couple quick points here. Let me grab the other window that I had. Go over a couple quick points on COVID that I think are important. Some new, and, and there's a whole bunch you'll see on this that I'm not going to get to right now. But I will, and I'll keep it in the, in the, off to the side for the coming show, probably tomorrow. I can't promise, but I'll, probably tomorrow. I don't know why it drives me crazy. Wasting time. <laughs> it drives me crazy when it's not perfect. Anyway, I'm wasting time. Okay. So this was an important one I want to get into because this is real. This is a big deal. No matter how you spin this, this is a big deal. But I want us to ask this question regardless. Just, just asking this question does not dismiss or, or diminish the fact that this is a member of parliament, member uh, of, well, it's MEP, member of European parliament. It sounds Australian. In any case, we'll play it out. This is, this is a politician openly admitting what's happening, using documents and so on in regard to transmission. But this has already happened. So I'm confused about why it's being framed this way. As I said, well, first of all, breaking, it says in a COVID hearing, the Pfizer director admits that vaccines were never tested on preventing transmission. Well, you guys knew this two years ago. You should all remember this. We've talked, I've relentlessly pointed this out, but it's still important that he's having this conversation. And I think it's important that it's getting reached regardless, but I'm just suspicious about why now and acting like him saying it's the first time this has been discussed. He says, get vaccinated for others was always a lie. That's the important part of this. They knew that wasn't the case in the beginning. The only purpose of the COVID passport forcing people to get vaccinated. We knew that too. Now, as I said, C-Lab has been telling you this since the first few months of the Jabs trial. Why? Because even Forbes wrote on this in 2020, I believe. Was it 2020? Yeah, September 2020. Tal Zaks of Moderna admitted this in an interview in 2021. Remember? How many times have we said this? He said, oh, and I think that's actually even in the article. 
Do Zach's instead. I'm going to go over it in a second. Derna. Now, in any case, I'll come back to it. But as you remember, I've, I've said many times, Tal's action interview said this. He said, if we wanted to understand that, that, that we wanted to look into the transmission, we, would have, they should have, they, we could have funded more. The trials could have continued. We could have continued to research, but they didn't. So your, gov your government made a conscious choice, knowing that it didn't, to not do the research that would show you that it didn't. That's a conscious choice. As I asked, this still being important, are we being distracted by the repackaging of old news? Carefully timed release of now allowable discussion points. Think mask. Think Wuhan lab. Why are we watching them dole out these points that are already provable, that already have been? Now, it's not even about whether T-Lab said it first or somebody else said it first. It's about the reality of that this has already been present and everything's out there. So the way that other people are discussing it as well, it's interesting to me. And it breathes over 1 million views in four hours it, it, as if this is a new conversation. It's interesting, but it's important regardless. Actually, I want to follow him just in case more comes around. But as you'll remember, this was the discussion we had November 9th, 2020, where we got into the Forbes article, which is right here. And I'll show you that right now. But guess what? Of course, you can't read this article because it's blocked unless you have the behind a paywall and so on, which I find very interesting, an old article. Oh, and then just we've revisited this numerous times. August 4th, 2021, the CDC even admits they don't stop transmission. And then even here we have, despite COVID jabs never having stopped transmission, they continue to push the ID and so on. This is December 28, 2021. Here again is the Forbes article. This is September 23rd. Now I'm just confused how we don't, I mean, if we want to give credit to somebody who broke the story, it should be William Hasseltine, of the four of Forbes, 20, September 23rd, 2022, because he exposed this all the way back then, where he discussed the idea, well, article being that the COVID protocols were, the trials were designed to succeed, meaning that they knew that they set the bar at simply stopping mild to, to moderate symptoms. And that's it. As it says, all these, including AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, uh, were likely, where, where's the point here? I didn't have time to highlight it. Prevention of infection must be a critical endpoint. Any vaccine trial should include regular testing and so on. But it says prevention of infection is not a criterion for success of any of these vaccines. Right there. That, that's what they're all pirating right now as some breaking story. In fact, their endpoints all require confirmed infections and all of those include in the analysis for success. The only difference being the severity of symptoms between the vaccine and unvaccinated. That's all they were measuring. It says, we all expect an effective vaccine to prevent serious illness if infected. Three of the vaccine protocols do not require that the vaccine prevent serious disease. Not even that. That's what, that's what uh, Mercola was, Dr. Peter Mercola was pointing out. That they don't even, they keep claiming it stops hospitalization and death, but they don't even know that. They didn't even try to find out. Only that they prevent moderate symptoms. Hot, cough, headache, that's it. Uh, let's see, where was it? Uh... I'm going to try to rush because I only got a couple minutes. Moderna's success of the more, and this was the point where they point out that it was a very small grouping of people in each one of these that all they were testing in the first place. These trials certainly do not give assurance that the vaccines will protect from the serious consequences. One of the more immediate questions the trial we need to answer is whether a vaccine prevents infection. If someone takes this vaccine, are they far less likely to become infected with the virus? These trials all clearly focus on eliminating symptoms not infections themselves. Asymptomatic infection listed as a secondary 
objective. It appears that all the pharmaceutical companies assume, assume that the vaccine will never prevent infection. Never. That's, this is incredibly obvious that at the time they did the trials, they all, uh, the constant assumption was they knew they wouldn't stop transmission. Their criteria for approval is the difference in symptoms between an infected control group and an infected vaccine group. They do not measure the difference between infections, non-infections, the primary motivation. It says these protocols do not emphasize the importance. That wasn't it. Hold on. It just simply says it is clear from these studies that vaccines currently under trial will not be the civil bullet need to end the pandemic. It appears these trials are intended to pass the lowest possible barrier of success. <laughs> Wild. In any case, read the whole thing, please, if you have the time, because it's very, very clear what this shows you. And we remember that the, I forget what this was censored for, but that they then changed the definition of vaccine itself. The act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce immunity to a specific disease, which would then got changed to the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce protection from a specific disease. I think they even changed it again since then, by the way. But regardless, it's not, they, they just simply changed it to say, well, as long as it produces protection, not necessarily stops you from getting sick, but just reduces those things. And here was an article we've discussed. And same thing, here's, here's uh, Jordan Satchtel back on December 27th making this argument as well. The core claim of preventing transmission. I think I'm going to ultimately leave it there. But Oh, and here's just, again, Chris Witte making the argument about how it reduces transmission. We know that's not true. Uh, this person says, very true, but oh, this was just the just why they would do this, right? Why would they let these things drip out now? And I simply said, a release valve. This is my opinion. They've lost control of the narrative in every way, so they take back control of it with a controlled release of a talking point. Now, I'm not saying this is what's happening, just what we should ask if it is happening, even if it's important and true. The talking heads act like it's the first time it's been discussed, and it temporarily takes over the news cycle. They do this over and over and over. We saw this with Las Vegas when they kept dripping out new, almost meaningless additive points that people would talk about and bat around for a week, and meanwhile, everything was happening underneath this. And again, it's, that's a, sort of irrelevant. The argument that even people like Mia Farrow on October 8th were still making was that we need to do this so we can protect our grandmother and so on. And the only reason that would make sense is if they stop transmission. And we, we know that they don't. It's as simple as that. And I'm going to include this, I think, as well. I mentioned this the other day. I saw this in the same past show. The article I was mentioning from 2020 where they argue some of these new shots could increase the risk of HIV. The main point was the ones called adenovirus 5. I believe AstraZeneca was one. They had numerous other shots that were currently being made in that same vein. They were testing other shots in the world that were using these things. And then weirdly, we see this out, this explosion of HIV-like problems. I just think it's interesting to include. And we'll get into a lot more. I have a lot more to get into in general, but we're going to leave it there for the day. I'm going to be late. I have to get going. But thank you guys for being here. Thank you for continuing to support us. I love you all. I just can't continue to tell you how much it means to me that we're all here, that we're all included in this and you guys are continuing to support the independent media. Now, I, I forgot to say this the other day, but I want to make sure and let you guys know that we will continue to post on our social media platforms. And I'm trying to do more and more and more because of our discussions as well. We just had on parlor. So make sure you follow us on parlor because I'm going to do my best to continue to engage in that platform more and more. Now we just talked about this the other day in regard to what we're going to be doing, the parlor supporting the last American vagabond, but there's a lot of people that are arguing that they've already seen censorship on the platform. And as I said, I'm, this in no way is going to influence my conversations. If you see censorship happening on Parler or anywhere else, let me know. Because I don't want that to be the case in regard to, uh, I don't want, I don't want to, if, if I see that, I want to, I want to show people that. And that will influence how I go forward with this. But I haven't seen it, but I'd like to see it if you have as well. But 
follow me on Parlor, but everywhere else as well, and continue to support The Last American Vagabond because we need your support. Truly. I mean, it, it's getting more and more ridiculous these days with how much is happening and how important it is to continue to support the people that are supporting you. I love you all, as always. Question everything. <laughs> Paul, sorry for that. That was strange. I was in the middle of my outro and I hit the wrong, I had a swipe, I guess, and it put, refreshed the tab. I don't even know what that looked like for you guys, but <laughs> I'm back. I love you all. Thank you. Question everything. Come to your own conclusions. <laughs> Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right to freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We called people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. Stop! Help! 
Stop. Hell, man, this shit ain't right, bro. Stop. This ain't right. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government. We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out. Do not let your voices be silenced.